begin now. Ooh! <laughs> I like that little trill. I'm getting there. a little better at this whole classic electric piano. Welcome, keyboarding. To, welcome to the Theo Pop Culture Podcast, in which today we will be debating yet another thing. We are on the word council. We're going to be mm-hmm. debating something regarding church councils. Indeed, we're going to debate about creeds. Yes, creed. We're going to debate about creed, the musical band. <laughs> With arms wide open. With arms wide open. That's for your parents. For your parents. <laughs> yes, not Creed, the early 2000s sensation. Not them, um, but rather the but from the uh, word credo, which means I believe, namely the statements of faith from the early Christian church. Yes. What is there to debate? Distilled things about Christian teaching. We're going to debate, should we have debates. I mean, should we have creeds? We're in debate. Should there be should debates? Should there be debates? Yes, no. <laughs> should we have creeds? Should church proclamations like this, these distilled the proclamations creeds. of church teaching still shape our ideas about right belief? Do we even need a creed? Maybe we don't need a creed. Maybe there should be something other than, maybe creeds hold us down or play a negative role in faith. Mm-hmm. Formal creeds like the Nicene Creed or the Apostles' Creed, two of the most famous ones from the early church. Yes. So for our pop culture artifact, we have come up with a website um, that is, uh, it's Truth Magazine. And by come up with it, we mean we found it, not that we made it. <laughs> yeah. We we found on the interweb, um, a, a actually a very, this is a very common position in American Christianity, at least, mm-hmm. um, that comes from um, a lot of different kind of denominations, but maybe most famously from a kind of a triad of denominations, Disciples of Christ, Christian Church, and um, Churches of Christ, this famous phrase, no creed but Christ, no book but the Bible, no law but love, no name but the divine. We're going to focus in on that first part. This Truth Magazine article basically argues truth that creeds- Truth Magazine right there. Truth. See, then is you it just the know truth, it's true. Isn't it? You just know. Yeah. That we should not have creeds, that we only need Christ. Oh, Oh, so, I, I'm, I'm looking at the article now. It's it's weirdly formatted. It's very long on the screen. Like it's very hard to read. But <laughs> yeah, it's it's not about the the visuals. It's about the content. No creed but Christ. So I'm looking at the headline, the head, mm-hmm. the, the headers. Jesus taught no creed but Christ. Confessing no creed but Christ. The rise of human creeds. I get it. So like human, creeds are yeah. a human product. Like Christ is divine. Creeds restoring are too no, human. Yep, and restoring no creed. Mm-hmm. And this Christ. is a, a fairly prominent position. So if you're following with us in the in the class and you're like, why wouldn't we have creeds? Well. We're going to debate that. Why Why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we? What could be the problem? What's the pro and the con about using creeds as a benchmark for what is true Christian mm-hmm. faith? Mm-hmm. I mean, have we, maybe we should, I wonder if we could find a creed and just maybe like read some some creed sure. language here. I'm looking at, I'm just looking up the Apostles' Creed. I know this is one of the, one of the um, early yeah, ones. Yeah, or the Creed of Chalcedon. Yeah, I mean, I, the, I'm looking at the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. That's a so that's an example of a creed. That's the Apostles' Creed mm-hmm. in one English translation. That I yes, just and over the last few weeks, we've been talking about creeds and how they helped propel the church forward in history. Mm. 
Um, and so we're going to debate whether or not they are still worth our time today. Mm-hmm. So shall we flip a coin to see? Oh, oh we should. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flip it. <laughs> Do I, it. I'm going to flip okay, it. Okay, I will call. You tell me when you're ready to flip. Uh, flipping, call it. Heads. Call it in the air. It is heads. Ah, ha, ha, ha. You won already. Okay, okay. I'm going to argue against you're really you're really pulling out the i know i'm getting i'm getting have you been practicing don't (laughs) even tell me (laughs) play your Um, scales yeah no uh but no this is just raw talent you're experiencing right now Uh, students um i'm going to say i'm gonna go con Ooh, i don't have to be con this week yes oh i'm so grateful that i don't have to be the con again it makes it seem like i'm against everything that we debate (laughs) which is not always true i guess that's why we reveal our true views yes so okay yeah, well, um, I'm going to set your timer, and mm. you are pro creep. I'm going to set my own timer, too, and what? then who's to really say? Okay. This timer's correct. <laughs> <laughs> and go. Okay, okay, I'm pro creed. I'm pro creed. Creeds, my friends. <laughs> whether creed, what does the word creed mean? <laughs> whether the apostle, whether it's the apostles' creed, which I just read, or the Nicene creed, they set a boundary. They set a guardrail for knowing, as a Christian, what's in and what's out. And let me tell you, as a person of faith, you got to know. It doesn't mean that there are things that are at the borderlines or ambiguous or that we can debate. We can and there are. But we do need we do need to have a solid basis for our salvation and our belief. Otherwise, um, what we have is just like a chaotic situation where no one can really even say what Christianity even is. And that would be very unuseful. That doesn't strike me as something that would be, that is God's agenda for us is to not know at all what faith is. Okay. Creeds are in a real sense, they are written by the winners. Yes, there were debates, winners, there were losers, but here's the thing. If you're a Christian, Christians have faith that the winners in terms of the creed were guided by the Holy Spirit. The Mm. same spirit that guided Jesus' followers, that guided Old Testament heroes even, is the same spirit that guided the church councils. At times, looking at the vicissitudes of history, that can be hard (laughs) to believe that God has been guiding us through history, but God has been guiding us. And if you don't believe that God's guiding us now, or God's been guiding us over the past 2,000 years, I question whether you are a Christian. Like that's You have to believe that. Christianity cannot just be whatever someone wants it to be. Not just anyone can claim that title, that mantle. Mm-hmm. Of course there's ambiguity, there's debate, there should be, but we should not be debating whether God is the creator of heaven and earth. However that happens through evolution or literally or whatever. Nor should we be debating whether Jesus rose from the dead or will come to judge the living and the dead. Yes, there's ambiguity about what that judgment might look like. Is it an eternal hell or something else? But here's the thing about the creed that's really great. The creed allows for that ambiguity. My point here then is that creeds are not as restrictive as they might seem. So if you're worried about creeds kind of locking stuff down in a way that's too restrictive, fear not. There's a lot of space to be creative as a Christian and still to be guided and for there to be a plurality and a diversity of and difference within faith. If you're worried that creeds aren't enough, fine, fair enough. Like belong to a church tradition that uses the creeds as their basis and then uh, elaborates on them. All churches do this. Um, Creeds form an. I also want to say that creeds form an important part of a basic rule of biblical interpretation. If you're really into the Bible, that's okay. The Bible is not opposed to the creed, and the creed not opposed to the Bible. The so-called rule of faith is dependent upon the creeds. The rule of faith means when you interpret the Bible, you can't interpret the Bible. Seconds. You can't interpret the Bible according to the rule of faith in a way that it it contradicts the creed. 
right? And that's really good. That works with the Bible, not against the Bible. So creeds are not anti-biblical. They work with scripture. It's just a simple acknowledgement that we need to know what's right and what's not. Whoa, with two seconds to spare. So like the only time I didn't go over the time limit. That was good. That was good. Very disciplined, Dr. Doke. I'm okay. okay. Do you have my timer set up? Mm, I do. Anytime you're ready, I will start it. Okay. Students, students, friends, fellow, <laughs> for those of you who are Christians, fellow Christians, I want to explain to you why creeds, while they may have been useful in the past, are no longer required for faithful Christian mm. living. Um, they're like, it's like milk that's been in the refrigerator too long. You don't need a creed. You don't want to, ex- you, you don't need it um, in, in large part because, well, first off, you can, most of us in this society can read the scriptures for them, for yourselves. So yes, it's true. In the ancient world, creeds were a helpful vehicle. They were a portable vehicle in uh, very difficult times when the church was enduring persecution. But now in a time where now most like, I would guess that the percentage of literacy among adults in in the U.S. is like inverse to what it was in the ancient world. Probably 90% of people can read really well. And so if you can read, then you can read the Bible. And the Bible is very widely available. So why would we use like a, a truncated, abbreviated form of the Christian faith when we have the Bible? Why would we do that when we can read the instructions, the words of God, Um, anytime we want, at any point in our lives, why do we need it when we have Jesus? When we have the person of Jesus for us, uh, revealed to us in the scriptures, and another, I mean, why would we why would we depend on something that is a human production that happened over centuries um, when we can rely on the person of Christ himself? Another thing about creeds is it's just what we've talked about in this semester. They were produced over time in conflict with other Christians. So it's hard for us to know whether or not those creeds have been coercive. Like what are some ideas that aren't actually present in the scripture that the church made decisions about that they didn't need to make? Um, Dr. Doak said this and, and he brushed it aside, but I want to bring it up to you. Creeds were written by people who won and they won and sometimes through really human means through like political power and coercion. Creeds also squash dissent. One of the um, like foundations of Christianity, the kind of Christianity that formed this university, is this idea that the Holy Spirit is present in all of us and gives us a responsibility and a gift of expressing dissent when we think that the church is going the wrong direction. And creeds, because they are like a rule and a and a guideline and boundaries, they can tend to quash that. I also think that creeds represent what's what scholars will call a canon within a canon. It takes certain stories in the Bible, certain constructions of who Jesus is and elevates them above others. Like creeds actually don't mention the Sermon on the Mount, one of Jesus's most important teachings about the ethical Christian life. And so if we don't have that, if we all only have the Jesus of the creeds, seconds. we miss out on some of the most important parts of Jesus's life. They also don't talk a lot about things like really important biblical figures like women and stuff. So I think that um, creeds, while helpful, are no longer necessary. Thank you, students of George Fox University. Boom. <laughs> okay, Excellent okay. Um, okay, very good. I give, Boy, you, I give you five extra seconds there. Wow, so when you, you, you know, like the, the it, it really does throw you off when, when someone's saying like, you have this much time? I know, right in the middle of a sentence. Ah! You're like, ah. <laughs> um, we should have like a bullhorn, like, oh, like that, that would off. be great. Um, I should have, yep. 
That's well, all we have. Yep. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. I, you know, I think I think when you one thing that's that's one of the one of the here's my compliment to your argument. Okay. I think one of the hardest, most ugliest, pernicious, hard to deal with, and sometimes criticisms of faith. You think of somebody in the history mm, of mm -hmm. Enlightenment thought like, um, was his first name Ludwig? I think Ludwig Feuerbach. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. One of the earliest, you know, like hardcore Enlightenment Christian, uh, criticisms of Christianity is just like, look, people made it up. Mm -hmm. People made it up for their mm -hmm. own purposes, for their own power. You know, everything can be explained. People made it up. It's not, God didn't make it up. People made it up. And I think that your argument kind of taps into this a little bit in that if you're a Christian, the last thing you want is to engage in a, a system that you just think, well, people just kind of made this up. Like that would be yeah. really bad. Uh -huh. And so bringing that up and saying, look, like creeds are not scripture. People wrote creeds. Sometimes there were processes through which these creeds came to be that were ugly that, you know, you can't quite endorse uh, you know, all the details. You, you, you can't quite see, sometimes you can't see God in the mix maybe. I think that's an important thing to consider. And you oh, that thanks, up. thanks. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the things that I liked a lot, and it's probably because I'm parenting toddlers right now, <laughs> excuse me, is you brought up the idea of creeds set boundaries around. Yes. Yes. And like, where do we go without boundaries? So I thought that that was one of your, mm. really one of your strongest points. Mm. Um, I have to- However. However, well, wait, do you have a however for me first? <clears throat> uh, yes. Um, okay. Okay. Um, Give it to me. I, I have two howevers for you. One is, are you okay over there? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I swallowed water incorrectly. I don't have a cough. This is not a cough. There's FYI. no sickness here. Nope. There was just water nope. was, I coughed before because I swallowed an almond weirdly about 20 minutes ago. <laughs> so yeah, yes. we're okay. Everyone's healthy. Here. Every, everyone's fine. <laughs> okay. Number one. I, you know, you were talking about the creed being human and what, like I never denied someone who supports creeds doesn't deny that the creeds are human. It's just mm -hmm. that it's also divine. This is the idea of the incarnation, the God plus oh, man. Nice, nice. So this is a paradox Christians nice actually can study. and should embrace with gusto. The idea that something can be human and divine at the same time. Number one. Um, number two, I, you know, you were talking, you, you made a lot of hay out of the idea that, that, that the creeds are not scripture, that they're human. I guess I just pose whether rhetorically or to you actually, if you dare to answer, What's in a creed that's not in scripture? Like what does scripture yeah. not support that's in the creed? Like how is how is a creed not compatible with with the Bible? I think I would um respond to that by kind of reiterating the point that I made earlier which is that it's such a highly selective form of oh. of scripture. So I think, you know, I to pat myself on the back, the best thing that I brought up is like all the parts about the life of Christ that are missing from the creed. It's a very certain sort of Jesus that we get. So it's awesome that he, and, and some of them are like sort of scripturally, maybe like one of my, actually one of the lines I like in the Apostles' Creed about this whole thing about he descended to hell. Like, yeah. is that actually in the Bible? Oh, the descent into, into Yeah, hell, and yes. why would we include that when we don't include things like he healed people, he cast demons out of people, right. he had all of these extraordinary parables and teachings. So I think that the creeds are just, I would argue that, that they are like creating a very, very particular version of Jesus that may not even be recognizable if you look at his life in total in the scriptures. Well, no, it doesn't contain all the teachings you might want it to contain. But I want to level here a criticism against you that <laughs> long ago you leveled against me. Do you remember back in our in our way in our debate back. way back in our debate about last semester about the rapture? Yes, you accused me, maybe correctly or maybe not, of endorsing a view of the rapture that in fact 
people maybe who typically endorse it wouldn't agree with. <laughs> yeah, I, I am now prepared to to level a convoluted version of that ah, argument back to you, okay. which is the things that you're citing, the things, in fact, in your debate portion, in your three minutes that you cited that are missing are not typically what people cite who criticize the creed. Like, oh, that women aren't empowered or the Sermon on the Mount <laughs> isn't in there. That's not typically what people say is missing from the creed. What people would say, though, is that it's about a power issue. Mm-hmm. Or and not a power issue, mm-hmm. but that it's about... It's more like the idea that you would impose any kind of structure at all upon faith that is that derives from the church when it was so-called Catholic in its orientation, as opposed to before churches became all divisive and split up, which they will later in our yeah, historical march. Yeah. That's what t- people tip. Isn't that more like what people typically well, criticize? Yes, I think that's true. But, you know, I was trying to bring out the big guns. Um, but I do <laughs> say that I, I, I do, you know, before I got, a little flustered there toward the end because I didn't use my who doesn't time get, wisely. Who doesn't get flustered toward the end of a three-minute um, I would have said something like, you know, you don't need the creeds when you have the Holy Spirit in your life. Like if, oh. if, if you can hear directly from God, if you can read the scriptures and experience God through the Holy Spirit, you don't need that extra layer mm-hmm. that just comes from tradition. Mm-hmm. That's what I would have said. I guess, yeah, I'm just thinking- I think like, that's faithful to that position. Yes, it's it's but it is, it, it's about, it's, it's about- it's it's a political thing. Like it's about what we might call. I guess this is what we're getting into. Like this is about ecclesiology, right? Yes, like, yes. Ecclesiology is a fancy word that just describes how churches, church life, <laughs> how churches have arranged their life and their politics and their power. Mm-hmm. So I think the the issue of the creed versus no creed is really it's a kind of a longstanding argument about how churches really should be arranged and how. Uh, and you're like, well, what's the difference? I, I guess it's just about like who gets to say what churches should recite every week and yes. so on. And there are kinds of churches, and maybe some of you students go to churches like this, where you recite certain things every week. You might recite the creed. You might recite a certain prayer. Like the church I go to, we recite the Nicene Creed every week. Uh-oh, did we just stumble on your real opinion? <laughs> ah! Um Maybe. Are we at the five yeah, minutes? Yeah, we are. We are. We have to say. Should I say what the real yes. opinion is? Dun, dun, oh, wait, wait. Let me give you your... Ooh. <laughs> um, we, and we've kept this one short for you. Yeah. This has been very concise. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I agree with what I said. I do think that I, I guess I'm just, if someone tells me I'm not into creeds at all and I don't like the creed, I'm like, are you a Christian? Like, what is it about the creed that you don't, I guess I want to push it to the content. Mm-hmm. Is there something about the mm-hmm. content of the creed that you're against? And if mm-hmm. you, if you pick something out, okay. And Dr. Payne pointed out that he descended to the dead. I take the phrase descended to the dead in the Apostles' Creed just more symbolically to mean Jesus actually did die. Mm-hmm. And I think it can, this is why I say the creed is a little, the creed allows for that kind of reading, I think. But like, what is it, if you're against creeds, like the content, what in the content exactly are you disagreeing with? I'm worried about about Christian faith just becoming something like any kind of movement or or really any kind of cultural term where it's just like literally anyone can just define it any way that they want. So I do think that the creed is helpful. And I think, look, if you don't agree with the creed or major portions of it beyond the ambiguities that the creeds offer, I'm not here to judge you. I'm not God. I'm not the Holy Spirit in your life. I'm not your mom. I'm not your dad. I'm not your youth pastor. But just admit that you're not a, you're maybe not a Christian. Like, mm. And that's that's something you have to embrace and you'll have to live with, you know, and deal with as an adult. Like that's part of the faith journey is like being like, look, and sometimes admitting that you're not a Christian might be a step forward in the faith journey because now you can really clarify issues, pray and seek God and determine like who, who and where you really are. And I think creeds can be helpful for that. So, well, that's great. I appreciate that. I appreciate yeah. that. Um, okay. Right. Here we go. 
what is your view, my Dr. Payne? Your real view, view. My real view is I actually find the creeds to be quite beautiful and I appreciate them and I have recited them in many a worship service mm. in my life. And I would say the only, I think I would qualify this like I am pro creed, although I would say that I don't know that the recitation of them is salvific. Like, mm. I don't think, I think you can make a confession of faith mm. outside of the creeds. Mm. So for to those who would say like, you're not Christian if you don't confess this, I'm not, mm. I'm not ready to, to make that leap. Mm. Um, because I just know that there are lots of people who are anti-creed and I definitely think they're Christian. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so, but I, I actually find them for all the reasons that you said, I mean, I, I appreciate that argument so much. And just like the way that they work from like a sociological perspective, mm -hmm. I think that it's actually helpful to have short to the point, mm -hmm. little like nuggets of truth and catechesis, like discipleship, basically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, yeah, I'm for it. Students, we want to hear from you though. Mm -hmm. We want to hear, what do you think about the creeds? Do you need them? Do you not? Mm -hmm. We look forward to... Hearing from you.